these things that our forefathers here in the United States, the kind of attitude that they had. It was George Washington who he wrote his diary on June 1st, 1774. He said, very simple phrase here in his diary, but he said, well, I went to church and I fasted all day. I mean, I'm thankful for men like that who would not just attend a church, but they take their faith seriously and that he would be a fasting and prayerful man. It was on July 9th, 1776 that George Washington issued an order that was appointing the chaplains to every regiment of the Continental, Continental Army and a general order to his troops. And he stated in this order that the general hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier, defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. I'm thankful for this Christian, these Christian values that we were built upon. He's, this is a man that was overheard praying for America, and I quote, Washington was interceding for his beloved country with tones of gratitude that labored for adequate expression. History records that other presidents, men like Abraham Lincoln, he once told his secretary, he said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Let that be the same conviction that we have, that we don't turn to other means, but no, I go to my knees when I have nowhere else to go. In fact, it shouldn't just be when I have nowhere else to go, but the reality is that in all things, I have nowhere else to go, nowhere better to go than to my knees. Amen. In July of 1861, President Lincoln, he declared September 26th as a national day of prayer and fasting. He stated, it is fit and becoming in all people at all times to acknowledge and to revere the supreme government of God, to bow in humble submission to his chastisements, to confess and deplore their sins and their transgressions in the full conviction that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to pray with all fervency and contrition for the pardon of their past offenses and for a blessing upon their present prospective action. It was during 1862 that tragedy struck the Lincolns as their son Willie died at the age of 12 years. And many noticed that Abraham Lincoln was seen more frequently with a Bible in his hands and that he spent more time in prayer. And it was from that time on that President Lincoln, he regularly attended church. He was there every Sunday and often, even on Wednesday evening prayer meetings, he was uh, he was there and dedicated to his faith. And I'm, I'm thankful, I am thankful for these men uh, who would put their faith in God. Even Thomas Jefferson, one who... Uh, who uh, kind of stands out from the others, gets a bad rap for being a deist. Uh, but even even him, Dr. Benjamin Rush uh, wrote of him, he said a fellow sign, Dr. Benjamin Rush was a fellow signer of the Declaration of Independence. And he said, my views are the result of a life of inquiry. This is, of Tom, this is Thomas Jefferson uh, saying this, that uh, my views are the result of a life of inquiry and reflection. 
very different from the anti-Christian system that is imputed to me by those who know nothing of my opinions. To the corruptions of Christianity, I am indeed opposed, but not to the genuine precepts of Jesus himself. He says, I am a Christian in the only sense in which he wished anyone to be, sincerely attached to his doctrines in preference to all others. I am, I'm thankful for this nation. And I, I pray that, I hope that you would pray for the United States and that you would pray for our leaders, that we could get back to a, 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 a Christian nation, that we could get back to Christian morals within our nation. And I, I, I pray often for, for our nation and just as a whole. And, and so often we can kind of get sucked in or we can kind of just get, uh, you know, a mindset that is thinking just of ourselves and just a little, little plot of land or just a little space that we have. But, but let's begin to dream bigger and pray bigger prayers. Let's be a church that has a global impact because of the prayers that we pray. I believe that your prayers can change governments, that your prayers, that they can open up nations, that your prayers, that they can have an effect that far outweighs the little tiny voice that you might have, that you might have just be one little voice, but your little voice, it can release the the very winds of, of God. It can begin to release something in the supernatural that God would be able to do a work in this day, in this hour. I believe that we today can have an outsized difference if we would truly pray. Amen. Amen. Truly pray big prayers. Truly pray prayers that are not just for my little space, but I want to pray for a global impact and especially for our nation here this weekend as, as we celebrate the birth of our nation. Amen. But let's, let's go to the book of Luke here today. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, just going to read a couple of verses beginning in verse 12. Jesus, speaking here, said that a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and he was to return. And he called his ten servants, and he delivered them ten pounds, and he said unto them, Occupy until I come. Occupy till I come. Now, he is giving them instruction. To do something. He's going to be away for a time. He is going away to establish a new uh, a kingdom. And, and he's saying to his servants who he is leaving behind. Occupy till I come. As I'm studying this scripture in this text. Uh, I notice something as we continue on to verse 14. It says, but his citizens hated him. They didn't hate the... Um, the ones who were there, they hated the, the noblemen, and they hated him, and they sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, so they're hating for him, did not stop his return. Notice that. Just because the people hated him did not stop the ruler from coming back. In fact, if you look at it, when he was returned, it says he had received the kingdom. 
So all of their hate and all of their mocking and all of their calling him down didn't stop the nobleman from receiving his kingdom and coming back. If you were here in our first hour today, we talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that he is wanting to establish here on earth right now. And Jesus is speaking this in a parable form of something that he himself was going to do. He was the nobleman who was going to leave for a time. And he was telling his servants, his disciples, occupy till I come. Now those who are there in the world would hate him even after he left But that hatred towards him or that opposition towards him did not and it will not stop his kingdom from being established. It will not stop his kingdom from coming here to the earth. And he will, it also will not stop him from making a return. He will return. And as he returns, continues on, he says, he commanded his servants. To be called unto him, those who he had told, occupy till I come. And it says, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And we'll stop there. I'll just read one more passage, familiar passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Here Jesus is coming into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some uh, are saying that you're John the Baptist. Some are saying that you're Elias. Others are saying that you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter stood up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build My church, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Hey, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven a lot today. Because, and and it's here that Jesus had already said uh, that he was establishing the the kingdom of heaven uh, through his ministry. And now he's getting ready to leave. And he gives the keys to the kingdom to Peter so that the church could be established. And it was established on the day of Pentecost. It was opened up. And I'm thankful that today that we have a heritage that we are still, that we can still trace back to the church of the, on the day of Pentecost. That today this church right here in Kinderville can trace its heritage back to Peter and the keys of the kingdom that unlocked the church to go and occupy until he comes back. Verse 19. Right, continuing on. Verse uh, 19. Uh, I, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man. He was Jesus the Christ. So we have Jesus who is establishing a church. He had told the parable that we, that we read 
of this noble man who would leave. And that's, uh, as, as I mentioned, is, is speaking of himself and what he would do. He would leave, but he will come back. But as he leaves, he leaves us with instruction. And he had given Peter the keys to the kingdom. And he gave the disciples the, the, uh, the answer of what they were to do as they occupied until he returned. He says that you shall bind the things that are bound in heaven here on earth. And you shall loose on earth the things that are loosed in heaven. There is, uh, there is this uh, thing that happened on, on this day. I, I should have calculated the years, but uh, whenever 1776, uh, July 4th, uh, that we had a declaration of independence that was signed. And that, on that day, uh, that this nation came, uh, became a, a nation. This nation became sovereign. And there was something that led to the signing of that Declaration of Independence. And it was a revolution. There was a war that was fought. There was a battle that, there were many battles that took place. And it took a people. It took a people who would stand up and say, that we must see change. Things cannot continue to be as they always are. Th- things cannot continue uh, to, to go down the same path that they are going right now. That there must be a revolution that will take place. A revolution is a forcible overthrow of a government or a social order. A revolution is saying that there is something that must come to pass, something new that must be established. There is something that is present here, but it must be overthrown and there must be something new that will take its place. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing in his earthly ministry. He was presenting a revolution. A revolution of the kingdom of heaven. He was establishing here on earth the kingdom of heaven here on earth. He is saying that Satan has ruled. He has been the prince in the power of the air for long enough. But I've come so that I may so that I might break the back of sin so that I might be able to establish a church that will stand strong in the face of opposition so that I can have a church that will stand strong and they can preach the gospel to the poor and they can go and they can lay hands with the authority of my name and those who are sick might be healed and those who are bound they might be set free Jesus was coming Coming to establish something brand new. A revolution that would take place through his ministry. And what Jesus started. It got him in a whole lot of trouble. It got him hung up on the cross. Now we know that was all part of the plan. But the trouble didn't stop with him. Because the trouble only continued as you go into the first generation of the church. And right away, you can look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 2 is where the church is birthed. Acts chapter 3, they're already being, being persecuted for preaching Jesus Christ. 
They healed the, the lame man who was there at the temple gate. They, this man comes running in. They're preaching about how it was Jesus. It wasn't by their power and their might, but it was by Jesus that this man got up and he walked. And the, the, the Pharisees and the, the scribes, they're saying, stop preaching about Jesus. Stop telling people about this Jesus. We've already done away with him. I, I wish that you would just stop talking about this man. And they said, we can't stop talking about the one who set us free from the bondage that we lived in we can't stop talking about him because he started something that it cannot stop with his death on the cross because he rose from the grave and he told us to go into all the world to all the world to preach the gospel amen that's the message that's the message for the church It was a revolution that Jesus started in his earthly ministry. And he said, I need you, Peter, to continue what I've started. I need you, James and John and Matthew and and, and all all the disciples of Andrew. I, I need you to continue what I have started. It was the 120 who were gathered there in the upper room that they received the power that was from on high. It was not by their own might, not by their own power that they would continue this revolution, but it was by the power of the Holy Ghost that they would establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It didn't take too long before they began to leave Jerusalem and they began to uh, they began to spread this gospel message and it is amazing the pace at which the church was growing in the face of an, of opposition in the face of evil the church expanded it multiplied it was abounding in that day it's amazing to see the effectiveness of paul and silas and paul and and barnabas in their missionary journeys that they would go into a city and it was by the hand of god that they would lay hands on somebody and they would recover they began to pray I, uh, Come on, church. I I, I wish that there would be somebody in here who still believed that you have the same power and authority that the book of Acts church had. And that we today still have the same commission that the book of Acts church had. And that we will live it out in the same manner that they lived it out with the same audacity to walk into our workplaces or to walk around our neighborhoods and begin to pray, God, would you establish your kingdom here? God, would you do so? I wish that there was somebody that would get a prayer in their hearts, that would get a step, uh, uh, come on, something in their step that would say, I cannot be complete. I cannot just stand here. I cannot just let this kingdom and this culture just continue to invade. No, I need the kingdom of heaven to invade this culture. I want to fill up heaven's throne. Come on. I want to fill heaven's gates. I want to fill heaven's gates. I don't want it to just be me. In my family. I don't want it to just be those who are in this church or those who are already committed to Christ. No, I want to see an end time revival and I want to be part of that. It's a revolution that Jesus started. A revolution that said that Satan, your reign has come to an end. 
Your reign has come to an end. You were the king, or you were not the king, you were the prince of this world. He never was the king. He'll present himself as the king, but he's not the king. He was the prince of this world. He is the prince and the power of the air. And he tried to present himself to Jesus when Jesus, when, uh, before Jesus' earthly ministry ever began. He, he began to tempt him. And he would bring him up to, uh, up to the mount and he would look over all Jerusalem. And, and he says, all this can be yours if you would just bow down and worship me. He didn't, I, I don't know who he thought he was. Because I know that he recognized Jesus. And yet, he got a great big head thinking that he could speak to the one who created all of that. And to tell him that this can all be yours. And Jesus said, I will not bow down to you because this isn't yours anyway. In fact, I'm come so that I can take it back from you. I've come for a revolution. I've come for a revolution and we are going to take back some territory that the enemy has taken from me. Come on, there's a whole lot of territory that the enemy has taken. I, I, I just wish that there would be some prodigals that would return. There's a whole lot of territory that the enemy has taken from this church that needs to return. There's a whole lot of prodigals that need to come back home that I believe that the enemy, come on, he has encroached long enough. He has encroached long enough upon the kingdom of God. He has encroached long enough upon those who are already, come on, set. They've already been bellwater baptized and Holy Ghost filled and he may he may have them right now but I believe that God wants a return of that which the devil has stolen and I believe right now that the prayers of God's people can establish something today to say I've had it I've had it we are going to declare war against the enemy it's revolution it's revolution See, Jesus is the one who started it. I'm not, I'm not starting this on my own. It's not a new life apostolic church revolution. No, it's a Jesus revolution. It's a Jesus revolution. And when he said, when he said in his parable to his servants, he says, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm taking off. And I need you to occupy till I come. Now, perhaps in your minds that paints a picture of just sitting there and occupying a space, just taking up space. But that is not what occupy means. In fact, occupy means the exact opposite of just taking up space. In fact, you can think of this even in your job. You have an occupation. You are occupying. You are doing something. You are going to work. You are Making something happen. You're not just sitting there. You're not just taking up space. You are occupied. And if you read just a little further into that parable, I gotta cut it off, but, but you'll see just how serious Jesus was, or how serious this nobleman was 
about his servants occupying and not just sitting there doing nothing, but actually getting to work and and actually doing something with the time uh, that they were allotted when he was away. He he binds up. There was one certain servant who he had given the money to, and this one servant it says was a slothful servant, and he was punished because he did not do anything with what he was given. He had just been biding his time. He took up space. He kept what he had, and he didn't do anything with it. So this slothful servant, he was, uh, he was dealt with in a very harsh manner by the nobleman when he returned. Why? Because he was simply taking up space. See, when you just take up space, you are no longer part of the revolution. You're no longer part of establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. The occupation or just just sitting there idle, it's, uh, it, it is doing the opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. Simply put, we are supposed to do more than just sit here and fill up space in God's kingdom. We are not called to just fill up space in God's kingdom. We are supposed to be carrying out the spiritual business for the king. We are supposed to be occupying some territory. We're supposed to be the occupying force. If you know anything about a battle or a war, there is an occupying force that will come in. And they are not just sitting there. They're fighting. They are fighting for new territory. See, Paul answered the question for us when he was writing to a young man that he was mentoring. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 2. That Paul gives Timothy the answer to this question of what is the church supposed to do when they're occupying till he comes. He says, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. He says, that's first of all. That all of those words have something to do with our prayer life, both as individuals and as a church. That we would be a praying church. That we would be a praying people. Right? Now, now we got to prime you for a response. But we need to be a praying people. We're talking about the occupation. We're talking about the, res- the responsibility of the church. That we ought to be a praying people. That prayer changes things. That prayer, it is, it is an active ingredient to the revolution that is bringing about the kingdom of heaven. There was an old Puritan preacher whose name you perhaps have heard is John Bunyan. He once said, and it agrees with what Paul is saying here, he said that we can do more than pray after we've prayed, but we cannot do more than pray until we've prayed. See, until we've prayed, everything else comes up short. Now, one of the most powerful prayer words in the New Testament is that which Paul is, is saying that we ought to do first of all, and that is supplication. If you look up supplication in, in your dictionary at home, that, that, that'll ruin it. It'll wreck it. It's, it's, not, it's not the English definition. It strips away so much of its meaning if you just look up 
that, that word supplication in your English dictionary. Because if, if you, but if you were to look at what this word meant that Jesus or that Paul was writing here, the supplication or the scriptural word for supplication is not just begging for something, but it is binding to something. It's binding yourself to something. Supplication. It means to make your prayer requests known to God. But it goes further than just making them known to God. To supplicate. It's not just begging for things to happen. It's not just asking for things to happen. But supplication is kind of like you would think of the word nagging. Does anybody know know what the word nagging means? And I know there's a whole lot of married people right now that are terrified. You nagging or supplication means to ask with passion. It means to ask with persistence. It means to ask with force. It means to ask with focus. See, little kids, they have nagging down to a science. If you've ever raised a two or three or four year olds, then you understand this, that they can beat the side of your knee until they and just keep on saying dad 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 and i'm in a conversation with somebody dad 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 they they just want you or they are in their room and like just last night we had our 2 year old laid down in his crib and he was supposed to be going to sleep and it was mom 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 Mom, until finally, after 15 minutes, we said, should we do something about this? And he, I, I, he doesn't always get his way, but last night he got his way. And he ended up in our bed. But <laughs> nagging will get you somewhere. Supplication will get you somewhere. See, little kids, they have this down to a science. Dad, 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 mom, mom. Supplication is asking this with persistence. It's asking with focus. And the thing about prayer is, it's not my will, but it's God's will. And when we, sometimes you you feel like, well, I I prayed it once uh, and didn't come to pass. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on with persistence. Keep on with the passion. Keep on nagging. And it's it's not nagging God so that so that He could His will would be bent to my will. No, it's 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 just praying a persistent prayer. Come on, let's let's seek until we find. Let's let's knock until that door is open. Let's go there and say, God, I know that your territory. Yeah, I know that there's some territory here that needs to be won. God, I know that we're here occupying some things. And God, I'm gonna keep on praying until I see revival break forth. God, I'm going to keep on praising until I see revival break forth. God, I'm just going to keep on at it until I see something happen. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. See, that is what the church is called to do. That you do have a spiritual battle that is being waged against you. The church, when we are actively occupying until it comes, will come up against resistance. And there are times that your prayers will be resisted by the enemy. There are times that we see it in Daniel. 
that Daniel was praying and fasting, and he was he was seeking God for a period of time, 21 days, in fact, that he was praying. And, and then we are able to get uh, a picture of what was happening in the spiritual realm at that time as, as an angel showed up to Daniel and told him that we heard that your, your prayers were heard from the start, but there was a resistance in the spiritual realm that was stopping your prayers. But because you persisted, because you kept praying, because there was a man who was nagging, God or nagging for this thing to happen because he knew that this was the will of God that those prayers they eventually came to pass see supplication is the prayer of occupation supplication is the prayer of occupation it's much it's very much like the war that we've un- seen unfold in so many places around the world especially recently in the, in the Middle East some of that's kind of wrapped up, but uh, we had for many years an occupying force that was there. And it's, it wasn't their job necessarily to do the things that were glamorous uh, or glorious, but their job was to keep peace. It was to maintain the territory, but it was also to make sure that they were advancing and making sure that uh, that, that which had been won already, that it continued uh, to, to remain on the winning, the winning side. It's their job. It's a, it's a job that is sometimes thankless. But we can be dropped in the place of, 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 of fighting for territory that is ours. And we must, as a church, be praying for those who are on the periphery for those who are on the outside, for those and make sure that we are occupying as a church and keeping those in the kingdom, keeping those people who they need you. They need your prayers. They need your phone calls. They need your fellowship. They need you. They need you. The church needs you. The people of God, they need you to be active, to be supplicating for them. See, God i got to wrap this up soon, but God, He has given us some boundaries. There are boundaries of blessing around His people. I believe that, that God has boundaries of blessing around His church. And if you live there, uh, if, you, if you live in the, the place where his, his blessings are flowing out, uh, that God, He will allow you to have protection in those, those, those areas where you are advancing into the kingdom where you're advancing as long as you do so with uh, as long as you do so with prayer and as long as you do so with spiritual authority in your life that when you begin to advance as an occupying force as one who is set to continue the revolution that Jesus started that God will be with you as you step foot into what could be deemed the enemy's territory the borders that do not right now belong to the kingdom of heaven mm. so much i want to want to say <laughs> jesus so we as a church what I, I truly feel in this place here today is that we must get our focus off of our own issues and our own problems right now. 
And let's begin praying for our neighbor. Let's begin praying for our neighborhood. Let's begin praying for the church that's, come on, the church that God is pouring out blessings on them. Let's, let's, let's begin praying for other nations. We, we have missionaries that we support that are doing a great work. In fact, I, I just got a report this morning from uh, the Josh Barsati, uh, a missionary in Vietnam. And uh, he, uh, he said their ministry or their, their time there is uh, they've always focused or tried to focus on on the population, the Vietnamese that are there, uh, and even the Filipinos, there have a lot of Filipinos that live uh, in, in their city. He said, for the first time, he had a picture of this, uh, this young man, uh, a United States Army veteran who had come in, come into their church, and uh, had years and years of, of just trauma that he was facing in his life. But, uh, but God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning, and he was baptized in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. And, and he, because he met somebody who was, who was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing the kingdom of God. And, and see, I want to pray for people like that. I, I want to pray prayers that are bigger than just Kendallville. I, I believe God's going to take care of Kendallville. God's going to take care of New Life Apostolic Church. But let's, let's begin to pray prayers that are bigger than just us. Let's begin to pray for somebody else. Let's, I, I don't want to just pray. Come on, not for my kingdom to be expanded. God, I want your kingdom to be expanded. God, I want to pray prayers and I want to begin to see things happen that are far beyond my reach. And I believe that that can only happen when a church gets a hold of prayer. When a church gets a hold of the mission that you were sent here to do. And as a church, our mission is to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Let's pray a prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. There are so many things today that they must be bound up because they are, are, are wrecking homes. That they are just continuing to just destroy homes and they're destroying marriages. And I want to pray, God, would you just... Would you just release people, God, from the bondage that they are facing? God, the, the things in their mind that has their mind so warped. God, I pray against the, the, the drugs and the opioid crisis that, that we are facing in our community. God, I bind it right now, God, that those who are dealing with, the, the, with an addiction to methamphetamine. God, I pray right now, big prayers, God, that there would be a revival in our midst, God, of those who they are addicted to these 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 uh, substances. God, I pray that you would just send, Lord, a, a revival, Lord, in their midst. God, that you would just send, Lord, a healing in their midst right now. God, that you would just help them. Come on, there are prayers that are bigger than just you. You may not ever even see the results of the prayers that you pray. You may not ever see the results of the prayers that you pray, but don't stop praying. Don't stop Pray. It was Matthew, we already read it, but he says that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's a promise. He didn't say the gates of hell might not prevail. No, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. 
They shall not stand up against a church that is occupying the territory that God has given them. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. You shall bind on earth the things that are bound in heaven. You shall loose on earth the things that have been loosed in heaven. If you believe this scripture is true, would you just stand to your feet all around this place? That the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That whatever must be bound here on earth, amen, it will be bound because of the prayers of the church. That whatever needs to be loosed here on earth, that it would be loosed because of the prayers and the activity of the church and occupying force. I'm telling you, none of that will happen if the church is asleep at the wheel. If the church is not praying, it's not a guarantee if the church doesn't go into supplication and say, God, we are enforcing your kingdom. God, we are establishing your kingdom. Now, there are victories that you have won. God, there are victories that have yet to be won. But, Lord, we will continue the fight. God, we will continue the revolution. There's somebody here today. Amen. Who wants to continue the fight? Would you just make your way up to an altar right now? Amen. I I don't want you kneeling down. I I don't want you uh, face down here today. I, I want us hands lifted up. Hands lifted up. And just say, God, I am signing up for this end time revival. God, I'm signing up for the force, God, that would go in and begin to establish your kingdom in my neighborhood, that would begin to establish your kingdom in my workplace, that would begin to establish your kingdom in my family. God, I will pray prayers that are bigger than myself. God, I'll pray prayers that would begin to bind the the, the effects of drugs and, and illegal substances. God, I'll begin to bind, Lord, the effects, God, of Lord, of of, of sin that is encroaching upon our children. God, I'm going to pray prayers that are bigger than myself so that your kingdom can be established. Amen. Right now, we're going to sing a song right now. Amen. But there's an army of people with their hands lifted up and a praise in their heart that would say, I'm here, God. I'm here right now. Lord, and I'm going to stand. I'm going to occupy until you return.